Wow, James Brown sums it up. Everybody feeling good today. This is Raptor Shootaround Bonus Hour. Leafs Lunch has the day off. Jim Taddy with you until 1. Matt Cause takes over, celebrating the Raptors' 114-110 win in Game 6 and the 4-2 series win. And the fact that the Raptors, for the first time ever, are the NBA champions. To help us celebrate, we bring in Charles Oakley, former Raptor player. Charles, how are you? Oh, man. After last night, oh, man, I'm feeling great. I know the whole, you know what they said, in Canada... It's 39, 36 million people cheering for the Raptors, so they got to be feeling great themselves. I mean, to, to see a, an entire country be enthralled yes. and enjoy this story, that has to be really something to, to, to take note of, isn't it? Oh, no doubt. I think that, uh, you know, the fans have been waiting for this six or seven years, the build-up, patience, and they just so so much love and those that at the games. Outside the arena, just the whole, it's just been so, so, you know, I don't know. I'm emotional because just watching, I know what the fans care, and I know what the players put so much work in to get to this point, and especially getting Kawhi Leonard and, like, making the cake, not the icing now. They served it last night. <laughs> I, I, I would suggest to you that knowing how you played, you would absolutely love this team because it suits you, doesn't it? Well, it fits me, and I think that most important was, you know, they had identity, uh, they had a lot of structure, you know, give the coaching staff credit, you know, uh, for putting them in the, you know, the right time of mind to play for in themselves, play for in the team. And the key was they didn't they didn't take a lot of quick shots. They didn't get Golden State a chance to run out to get the big run. They played solid, and they made Golden State do something they never done before, play defense multiple times on one possession. And you can see that, you know, when they shot fake driving kick, and anytime they beat Golden State off the dribble, it was a, it was an asset for Toronto because they was wearing them out. They never played in a series like this because most time they play in a series, people took quick shots, they get run out, play it into their hands. Would you say they were able to be themselves because they didn't really get um, sucked into that routine where you, you, you're trying to, to beat somebody else at their own game? They played their own game, didn't they? Well, no doubt. And I always say everybody, I've been telling them all year for the last two or three years, able one team can take threes and make them all kind of ways. That's Golden State. But you get them to someone and make them feel uncomfortable, things come to look different and things wear. And Toronto, you know, they were on Golden State, and Golden State never been in a series like this. Even though Toronto they had all the power offenses, Golden State, but they play for themselves and say, you know what, we're not a three-point team, shooting team, but we take what we can get. If we can get one point or two, that's a good possession. Um, you could see it on the Golden State faces even earlier in the series where they were being put to a test they hadn't been to before. Last night they were in a position with the game in the series on the line where they called a timeout they didn't have. I mean, that's really right. pushing the next champion, isn't it? Well, you know, um, if you give Toronto a lot of credit because they could have won all six games, not just, you yeah. know, four out of six. They really had an opportunity. You know, Golden State beat them two out of six games, but look at Golden State. They only took five points two games. Toronto lost by five in the game. They lost four and one, and it was in in the game to the end. So, uh, you know, like I said, they made Golden State uncomfortable at, at all times and never, like, never fall, even though they had an 18-point run in game game two, but they came back and, had, you know, Andre made a big shot with, with six seconds left on the clock, but it went for that. Toronto, hey, 
they have no, no reason to, to hang their head about what they did early, but they came back after game five and so hey, we're a pro team, but we're going to stay with our guns. We're going to do what we do best, play defense, and give us a chance at the end of the game. Talking with Charles Oakley, former NBA player, former Raptor. Uh, we are absolutely in love with the Kawhi Leonard story just because of oh, how, yeah. how he plays and how in the moment he is. And quite frankly, I like how he answers a question. I mean, there's no um, no wasted words there. He takes you right inside the answer. It's a thoughtful answer, very respectful answer. Uh, you can give us perspective on this. How good is this guy? This guy's real good. Set in tone, drop the ball. In a lot of ways, by questioning a guy, he won a championship with you. The guy said he hurt. And that's one thing about basketball. You don't know how a guy feels. The doctor can say one thing, it can be something else. That's why a lot of people get two or three opinions from different doctors. But with him, he never, like, you know, bitch him on about this and that. He said, you know, I'm going to do it my way. I'm hurried. I'm going to come back when I'm healthy. You know, once they made the trade for him to Toronto, Toronto, they took a chance. But, hey, it's just like, hey, a field goal. Ain't nothing sure, but you know what? He showed people he was a champion. He know how to play the game, and he don't need a lot of superstars around him. Just find some guys who willing to defend in the system and play for himself. At what point, Charles, did you think that this team could win a championship? Was it earlier? Was it against Milwaukee, against Philadelphia, or maybe in this round? Well, it's, it's been a build-up. I mean, in the last four or five years, they you know go to the year, win the division, this and that. LeBron was in the way in Cleveland, but when they made the trade with the Rose of Paul Leonard, you got a two-way player, you got a guy who experienced championship, the MEP of a championship, a guy who, you know, can put you on his back. You know, a lot of people say, well, they didn't know this, they didn't know that, but my thing is, he's a hammer guy. You never question a guy. You know what I'm saying? A bully, too late. You pick with somebody long enough, somebody's going to fight you back, and they're going to beat you up. And that's what Kawhi Leonard did. He beat up Golden State in a lot of ways. He gave his team's confidence, and he, the whole Canada on his back. He did, a, he did a great job. What I liked about watching him play was at the key moment, you just you would look at him and know that something good was, was going to happen. Does he remind you of anybody that way? Uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, similar. He got a lot of Michael Jordan, and got he got Michael Jordan for you know how he shoot, how he was on the court. But he got a lot more LeBron James, how LeBron did in Cleveland, Miami, how he put guys in position, wasn't scared to pass the ball, he can take the criticism. Right, you know, everybody said, "Well, why you don't take the shot to win the game?" But sometimes when you double team, you got to pass the ball, but. He don't let people face him. That's one thing. That's a strong leader there. You don't have to lead by Instagram, social media, this and that. You leave inside the locker room and let the people you're around every day know what type of guy you are and you're on the floor and you display it. Uh, you could see the effect on the roster, most noticeably on, on Kyle Lowry, who really grew up this year, didn't he? Right. Yeah. He, well, yeah. Kyle, Kyle took a lot of criticism over the years when he don't play big and then play off, he don't do this and that. My thing is, a lot of things happen. Team prepare for you, this and that. It's like a fight. You know, you don't, sometimes you knock a guy in the first round. Sometimes you have to go three or four rounds just to see what the guy, you know, how he going to fight this night. Every fight ain't the same once you get in the ring. So, hey, Kyle stepped up last night when they needed him the most. Uh, he came out on fire. Uh, you know, I give him a lot of credit. I remember for Kyle from back in the day. We just played ball in Vegas, this and that. He was a feisty guy. You know, he always will do what's right for the moment and for his team. And that's what he did last night on the road. He played well on the road. And everybody was saying, well, Kyle, you got to step up. He stepped up, and look what happened. They won the championship.
Yeah, I'd like your take on this. I mean, I, the roster is just full of great stories. The coaching staff is is quite a story. Uh, the ownership oh, yeah. and, and the front office, Masayu Jerry, it's 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 the marriage of a lot of really good things, isn't it? Well, Asai did a, you know, he had a tough uh, last summer making decisions for us, like coach, player, and you know, aiming two guys in the NBA can do what Kawhi Leonard doing. Him and LeBron James. I've been saying this for years. It's, a lot of these guys can get you 35 and 40, but who beside them? You know, so he had, like I said, no other superstar. But Cal made a lot, you know, he made the um, All-Star several times, him and um, uh, Marcus All. But I'm saying a guy, an A-tier guy, like Golden State got three A-tier guys. And, you know, to go in there in, in the seven-game series with Golden State and outplay him really, you know, 22 quarters, uh, 21 out of 24 quarters. But the thing about it is, you had a chance to win every night. And you don't find that from a championship team that you play in the next year. And they win two games by five. You win three, first three games out of uh, your series, out of the five, by 14 points. And now you come back and close them out in game six, and you still win. You know, hey, it was a close game, but you win. That's the most important. You want to get the win. Uh, everybody here is enjoying the moment. Normally when you win, you start thinking about what happens next. And, and I don't think anybody's really there yet because this is just right. su- such an enjoyable thing. But, but you know basketball. This team could go on uh, on a bit of a run, couldn't it? Uh, no doubt. I mean, the Kuala to come back to Toronto. But right now, I think, you know, the people in Canada, the 37, 36 million people, they're not worried if he come back or not. Well, what he did last night, that lasts 100 years. So my thing is if he come back and stay they point, you know, they got their point across. After 24 years, they won a championship. You got some teams been making trades and paying guys $100 million, ain't won a championship. So after this move, what they done to get a new coach and one-year player, could be five more-year player, require Leonard. I mean, you go, you can look at the East, you're going to be on the top for the next four or five years if he stays. Uh, when you were a player here, it was uh, the first time the franchise was really legitimized uh, with all the right. talent that you played with. This obviously takes it to another level. But when you come back, and obviously there were, there were a lot of people in the stands when you played, but when you come back and when you were introduced during the, the NBA Finals uh, at uh, on court, what did that feel like, knowing that, that this had actually gone to the next level? It felt great. I mean, you know, I played in New York, Chicago. I played with Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewan, but the thing is, when I got when we came for you know first game in the um, in the finals, you know guys came on the court, but the fans but the fans been waiting for this. You know the ho- it's a hockey town. You know even the Blue Jays won back to back championship, but the fans been waiting for something else to expose to explode on. You know they got Drake, they're Justin Bieber, but this here this is like I said the cake been baked and the icing was put on it. It's a three layer cake with a lot of icing just dripping on the side. But give them their credit. Hey, I know how they feeling on that plane ride back from Oakland. Mm-hmm. All people count us out, this and that. But uh, them guys really stuck together. You know, it, thing about it, you know, it was different guys. You know, Van Lee off the bench, Ibaka off the bench. You know, uh, I mean, it just, they just did it green one night. But thing about it is they was mixing match. Like, it wasn't consistent. Like, you know, Golden State, the Clay and Curry – had the score for them to win. It wasn't the quiet Leonard had to get 35-40 every night because the other guys stepped up in a, in a way that i never seen how so many different guys made a big difference in a championship round. Yeah, it's a full-team story, isn't it? 
Oh, no doubt. It's a full team story. It's the management, the coaching staff, GM. It's, it's like you and, you know, it was a dream. If somebody can have a dream about it, but when you come and play and do it, that dream, that's amazing. They should go play the lottery tomorrow, today. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I've never seen the, – the, they demolish Golden State in a way that if you are a coach, if you coach another team in the East and West, you're probably kicking yourself in the butt. All you had to do was have a good couple of defensive scheme against Golden State. They're going to make shots. We know this. But they never got on the run but one time out of six games. Really got on, you know, even though game five, they got out this and that, but it wasn't no like they did in, in game uh, two in uh, Toronto. But that was the most important thing. Don't let them get run out. Don't let them start to get their uh, eyes start to get big and they start, you know, eating their own, own milk and drinking their own, you know, cereal and drinking their own milk. Because when they get three or four threes in a row, this and that, they most of the time blow teams out. And the one thing Toronto did, they didn't come back to try to out, you know, let me go tick for tack. They are. They play within their team. They play within their scheme, and that's what you have to give coaching staff a lot of credit for, to keep them so composed because most of the time Golden State, people are already scared. You go in the game down six points because it's Golden State. I mean, respectfully, they took the Warriors apart, didn't they? Uh, they took them apart. You know, Warrior got a great coach. I mean, Curry did a lot. He pushed a lot of right buttons, but he's just, hey, when the plane going down, most of the time ain't no button to break it back up. So, uh Got to give Golden State a chance, you know, a lot of credit for fighting. But at the end, Toronto, you know, they won 12, 11 out of 12 rounds. And most times, you win 11 out of 12 rounds in the boxing match, you should win the fight. And that's what happened in this series. Toronto really, like I said, should have won in four games. You look at it without the bad third quarter in uh, game uh, two. Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, they, they were they were dominant. <laughs> Charles, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. No problem. The North is on top. Yes, it is. And we hope it stays there. That's Charles Oakley. Thanks, Charles. Former NBA player, former Raptors uh, star, of course, uh, when Vince and, and the guys were there. And, and the first time the franchise was really legitimized in terms of the rest of the NBA. And now we're at the next level. Legendary tough guy. He would be a fit on this team. And, you know, they did take apart the Warriors. And they did win in six. And you could say, you could justify six victories for the Raptors. But I think we'll all take it in, in six, four to two. And last night's game was probably a book unto itself coming up next we will play yes guy no guy what an intriguing concept oh dog will join us for that this is raptors shoot around tsn 1050 tsn 1050.ca also available in the tsn and iheart radio apps well yes guy raptors shoot around tsn 1050 tsn 1050.ca if you're looking for leafs lunch it has the day off matt cause will be in at one with raptors game day followed by overdrive with Brian Hayes, Jeff O'Neill, and Jamie McLennan. Uh, last night, you know, when I was talking to Oak there, I mean, that's probably the best way to sum it up. You took the two-time defending champions and forced them in an elimination game in the final seconds to call a timeout they didn't have. I mean, that's the ultimate statement there. And they thought they had something left. And that shows you the poise of a champion, that they think there's always something left to salvage a situation, which is an interesting mindset. But in, in effect, they called a timeout that didn't exist, and that forced two foul shots uh, for Kawhi Leonard that iced the game with seconds remaining. That is quite a statement, and, and sometimes you forget. I mean, you, there's so many storylines to this championship. You can go through all the injuries for the Warriors, but... You know, if you go back to the Clay Thompson injury last night, that happens because of severe pursuit 
from Danny Green. And obviously it's an unfortunate outcome where you saw the pain on Clay Thompson as he landed and absolutely twisted that knee and has a torn ACL to deal with over the next 12 months. And the the, uh, the KD situation, I mean, there was a lot of time spent the day after the injury making sure nobody would be blamed for it. But I think the one thing that sticks to the wall there, that is not a decision or a discussion that would have been made had the Warriors had the 3-1 series lead instead of the 3-1 series deficit. Well, you know, I'm looking at the clock, and, and it's time for this. Yes, guy. No guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the Raptors shoot-around O-Dog 9-2 edition of Yes, Guy, No Guy. O-Dog, are you there? Yeah, I knew this was coming because I went to church because I go there every morning, as you know, Tapman, and before I left the ceremony at Mass, the priest put up his hands and said, there will be a yes guy, no guy. <laughs> Amen. Oh, boy. He said all that in the confessional. That's remarkable because usually that's a quiet room. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a loser, Batman. <laughs> I miss you, big guy. <laughs> Don't, I already told you, do not call me big guy, Batman. That's enough of that. You know, we, we always spar with each other, and uh, that's just the way we get along. So are you ready for this? Yes. I'm ready, Chapman. Yes. It's my segment, so why wouldn't I be ready? <laughs> well, it's, that's another story for another day, and we have some violin music to deal with that later on. But yes, guy, no guy, number one. This Raptors championship is the result of the best ever asset management by the front office. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's risky stuff, Chapman, but... Um... You know, you fire the coach who was coach of the year. You trade their their best player for a better player who's one of the top players in the league. And there was some cut uh, cutthroat stuff that went that went on. They made a trade at the deadline, but it's pretty awesome stuff. Masai Ujiri, the only he only did one thing I didn't like, and that was let Dwayne Casey, I believe, speak to the media last year, and then he was fired. It should have been done before that. But other than that, you're talking aces, man. Some really difficult decisions. And he knew there was kind of a, and who knows what the window is, but pretty impressive stuff. Yes, guy. Okay, here's another one. Yes, guy, no guy. The Leafs could learn a lesson from the Raptors in terms of asset management. You know what? The one thing that I'll take from this, and you saw with the St. Louis Blues, is just kind of, it's just take some risks. I mean, like just take a flyer on a guy that's on a one year, you know, one year left or whatever. I just, like falling in love with your players year after year and saying, oh, this is our core group. But if they don't win, what's the sense of having them all? So I just think that, you know, taking risks on guys and, like, without within reason, Tap man, it's just like not be stupid about it. But, I mean, you're not going to go out there and be ridiculous and trade for guys on one-year deals, but just kind of kind of go for it. Take some risks and see what happens. Yes, guys. Yeah, I'm with you on that, because some of these situations, you feel that the team's re-signing the guy just out of an obligation. I mean, obviously, there are thoughts that it's going to turn out, but especially in the NHL, when you have that eight-year max, that's a, that's a pretty significant commitment, isn't it? No idea. I, like It's just year after year. It's like, if you want to say you're a good team and you make the playoffs, and it's just... But, but who cares? Like Winning is the ultimate goal. I mean, these guys, they took... Masai took risks, and they got it done. I mean, that's that's the idea, man. Yes, guy, no guy, number three. You feel sad for the Warriors. 
I do not feel sad at all. That's a dynasty that's, by the way, they're champions, man. They, they were injured. They were banged up. And watching, watching Steph and Clay shoot the basketball, oh. and I, I by no means am an NBA analyst, that man, you know that, but that's just that's some of the most impressive stuff I've ever seen. It's just effortless. It's, it, it makes the other team, it's so hard to compete because you can grind and, and get your shots, and then they just wheel down the court and they, they shoot the three like I've never seen before. It's, so, it's one of the most impressive things in sports. You know, my one timer on the power play tab man was pretty good, but that's uh, that's good stuff. Well, it's uh, I want to you know this. I use this term: the shot is non-negotiable. It just goes in with such gusto. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and it's like they know when to do it. They're, they're so clutch. There's no pressure. There's no choking. There's no stress. It's just they get that shot off. And I, like last night, Clay before he got injured, it was just like this guy is just unstoppable. You can't stop them. Yeah. Uh, they're they're champions, man. They had a great run, and I don't think it's over. And I don't like the narrative where people are like, "Yeah, oh, it's just is the dining." It's almost like all these negative issues are coming up. It's like Masai going to leave? Is is this dynasty over? It's like just embrace what they've done. They're an awesome team. It's a dynasty. The Raps won. Let's just let's just embrace everything and enjoy it. Okay, this might be a tough one. Yes, guy, no guy, number four. The Leafs will win a cup before the Raptors win their second NBA championship. I don't know. If they bring the band back together, don't they have a chance to win next year, Tap Man? Well, they do, yeah. yeah. So I hope they can do that. But who knows? I'm pretty sure Brendan Shanahan and his, his group understand that, you know, they, you know, they have a great core group of people, and maybe in the next five or six years they can get an opportunity and I always tell people, it's like, the Toronto Maple Leafs are good, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that Gary Bettman just shows up and hands him the cup, man. It's competitive, and everybody wants to win, and it's very difficult to win. The Raptors kind of struck gold here with their, with their run this year, but it's, it's awfully difficult to win. Just because they have good players and a good team doesn't mean that somebody just hands them the trophy. Well, I have one more, and I hope you have some, because, I mean, you understand how the game is played. But here's, here's my final one. The Leafs and Raptors will both be in the finals at the same time in the same year. No, guy, that's too difficult. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're, Boston has done some unbelievable things in the past with the championships that they've they've accomplished and and what they've done as far as winning championships. But uh, I just don't see it happening. It would be awesome for the city, but it's just too difficult to do. I have one for you, Tatman. Go ahead, sir. The segment, Yes Guy, No Guy, I originally created. Oh, emphatically, No Guy. I mean, what, Come on, guy. what a complete fugazi that is. <laughs> Those late nights we had, Pat, man, I said, what do we, why, why don't we do a segment called Yes Guy, No Guy? You know, sometime I'll invite you over and I'll play my air checks from uh, 1986. I don't know if the tape still works, but that's where you'll find Yes Guy, No Guy. No, I started Yes Guy, No Guy. <laughs> I love that about you <laughs> because you have a straight face when you say that. I just, I just That's exactly absolutely... right because yeah. it's my segment. <laughs> I brought it to overdrive, and now you try to steal it. Well, nothing to steal when you already own it. But anyway, let, let me put it to you this way. I mean, what do you think Jerry's percentages would be about today in respect to the the NBA Finals and the Raptors win? Uh, Jerry's percentages, Tab Man, is a segment that I do on my show only, and that's not to be brought in anywhere else. 
Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I know totally what you mean, but that won't, uh, you know, that doesn't stop some people from going down that road. I'm not that type of person, but some people will just take anything they want. <laughs> oh, so you think you can do Jerry's percentages whenever you want? No, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even entertain that thought. It, I look at it as it's yours, and so it's not mine, so I don't, I don't bother with stuff that isn't mine. Yeah, I know, and that's why I do Yes Guy Know That, because I created it, and I'm allowed to use it whenever I want. <laughs> well, you could think whatever you want. Delusion is an interesting science. I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, you want to know what science is me eating food, so I'm going to go eat food now, Tadman. <laughs> oh, Doc, thanks very much. Always enjoy the, uh, the banter. Yes, Guy Know Guy. Still in the confessional. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks a lot. There he goes. O-Dog 9-2, a very unique individual, to say the least. Rad, what do we do with that? Do we have that? Do we have the violin music so we can play him out? Where is it? Poor O-Dog. He's delusional. It's a segment that's been around for 35 years, and he's only been here for seven, and he thinks it's his. He must have had a bad night of sleep. He woke up and thought, I'm going to do this segment. I'm going to rip the tat man off. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I don't think so, guy. I don't think that's the way this is going to play out. But you can go down that road. We wish you well. See you in church tomorrow, guy. What else could I say? <laughs> he is a fun individual. Oh, well. So let's get back to uh, the Raptors story. Uh, we have some sound that we can get to. And, uh, well, let's break it a little early. And then we'll get uh, Matt Cause on if he's around. Or some other hijinks planned and unplanned. Kayla Gray is going to come in. That's great. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. Kayla Gray will stop by. This is Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. This is our last segment, isn't it? This is it. One o'clock, Matt Cause takes over, and uh, the summer of Yes Guy officially begins. Wow. Where did that go? So we started this show two and a half weeks ago, and I remember when we first walked in, I thought, well, I don't know what this is going to turn into, but it's, I like the premise. We'd, I had already been doing the Raptor games, which was a return. I'd been off for uh, three years doing other stuff, other assignments, the Leafs included, and didn't know exactly where it was going to go, but it had a pretty good feel to it. And, and look, here we are, celebrating the Raptors' win. 114-110 last night. Uh, last night's game is, is a book. I mean, there's, there's just so many storylines in each of the box scores. I've enjoyed doing that. Uh, the Kawhi performance was, I don't want to say baseline, because that, that doesn't give it the respect. It was always the thing that held everything together. And uh, what a tough ball player he is. 22 points last night. Uh, Siakam, there's another one of those challenge stories where he wasn't uh, up to what they wanted out of him after the Game 1 debut with the 32 points. And last night he played 46 minutes, 26 points, rarely left the floor, had 10 rebounds, 3 assists and a steal and a block en route to the 26 points. Um, and uh, 10 to 17 from the floor, 3 of 6 from three-point land. And here's the thing about the three points. He was 2 for 3 in game 1, had not scored a three-point uh, shot until last night. And so when you saw that start to drop, you went, okay, this, this is on. Um, and what a, I mean, what a stunning warrior-like performance. 46 minutes at a 48-minute game 
rarely left the floor, very important to what they did, and they needed that. How much time do we spend uh, over the last couple of days, especially yesterday, saying Pascal Siakam was the flex point? If he could return to form or at least up, upgrade his performance uh, in terms of points we were really concerned about, and the defense is there. I mean, that was just a, a real nice add uh, in a game that didn't have uh, much in the way of margins. I mean, it's a four-point victory. But I like what Charles Oakley said. Uh, you know, if it, you could easily turn to somebody and say the Raptors won the NBA championship 6-0. Uh, they won all six games. Now, they didn't, you know that, but there were points in, in those losses. I mean, those are two one-possession losses, including uh, in Game 2, that 18-0 run to start the third quarter, and they clawed their way back to an Iguodala 3 with uh, seconds remaining. That was the deciding factor in that one, in a five-point victory for Golden State. And so, I mean, you want to talk about a team that's full value, and yet you've got all those, those injury stories, but that's what happens to a team that plays five years in a row in the NBA Finals. It was, I mean, there was a, I'm sure you didn't spend a lot of time feeling sorry for the Warriors, but you could sense that they just didn't, there was nothing left in the Warriors last night, and that's a full credit to the Raptors for how they, they pushed them, and, and you heard Charles Oakley's analysis of, of how they went about doing that and, and playing their own game and not getting sucked into a track meet, although last night at times it looked like it was going to develop into an absolute track meet, and I was a little concerned in the first half that way, that, that maybe that this was the, the Warriors upping the pace and, and the Raptors were able to match that. Just looking at the halftime score, it was uh, 60-57, so only th- and, and the Raptors had the lead, so I mean, that was, uh, I mean, when you look at that score, they did have control of it by the slightest of margins, and uh, they were outscored in the third quarter, uh, but in the fourth, uh, they, after three quarters, Golden State had a two-point lead, and in the fourth, uh, the Raptors solved it when they should. So it was just a very nice story. That way is a constant build. Uh, there was no moment to, along the Raptors' run where you got carried away with things because uh, uh, they just started to achieve things that you couldn't think possible. Down 2 nothing to Milwaukee. Could you even wager that they would win four straight? And, and that hangs on by the slimmest of margins a game. They almost came away in Game 3, the double overtime, where they had Pascal Siakam at the line for two late in the game, and he, he missed both. And then double overtime, and finally they prevailed. And then, boy, those next three games, when I think back and covering those next three games and how the Raptors absolutely went it onto Tacumpo, and, then, and that's Kawhi Leonard doing that, how they absolutely took those three games away. In each of those games, the Bucks had the lead, and the Raptors just took it away from them, and how demoralizing that would have been for the Bucks. And then you get into the NBA final, and the Raptors with that Siakam 32-point performance in Game 1, absolutely stunning the Warriors, and you're thinking, wow, this could happen. And after Game 2, go over to Golden State, to Oakland for 2, and the Raptors win 2 at the Oracle to apparently close it out and that hadn't been done. And then, of course, Game 5 was a little disappointing, but then the Raptors take it all by winning three games at the Oracle. The last three games ever played at the Oracle, a storied building, and the Raptors have victories in each one of those games. There's just so many improbable storylines, but yet it all came together. And I like the way it came together. It was like watching piece by piece a constant build. And really, I really like covering teams that, that, sort of, that they evolve in front of your eyes and you can sense the build, and you can certainly sense the build uh, with the Raptors in, in that particular game uh, in, in, the, in the series and from the playoff run, as we said. It started with D.J. Augustine outscoring Kyle Lowry 25 nothing in Game 1 against Orlando, and 
look where we are. Uh, my first assignment on this was uh, the final home regular season game against Dwayne Wade and the Miami Heat. That was the first time I'd been on a Raptors game in three years. And I looked down, and, and the difference for me was startling. I mean, obviously you watch on TV, but when you're covering the team, you, you look at it differently because you're looking for things that you will need to help help you in uh, relaying or processing the information for your audience. And what I saw was repeatedly uh, other teams, more so against Philadelphia and Milwaukee, that looked like the Raptors used to look like, where they just didn't have all the pieces, and you felt comfortable that the Raptors would get it done. A, a multi-layered team that could come at you very many ways, and while you would sort of focus on the roster and the players, the coaching staff is another remarkable story. We've talked about this so many times. When Nick Nurse took over from Dwayne Casey, I wondered if that was the right way to go. And then we had that regular season sample size of all those different starting lineups. And I think there was like 22, 23 different rotations. And, of course, the load management with Kawhi Leonard. And even though we understood, because it had to happen, that the 82 games would be a dress rehearsal for the playoffs, as you were watching that, you might not have been as confident that it would turn out that way, but that was the exact thing that had to happen based on all those great regular season runs in the past where you'd get into the playoffs and you thought, well, this is just going to happen. Well, that's not the way this works out. It doesn't just happen. It has to evolve. And, and in many of those cases, uh, those teams, with all due respect to the collection of players who are fine NBA players, just didn't have that, that second layer or other dimension. They were easy to shut down. I can remember doing a Raptors game. Uh, the last year I did was the 15-16 season where it was written on the wall in the, the whiteboard of the visiting team and I can't remember the, the name of the visiting team. It might have been the Warriors where they said uh, iso ball and so what that is is you just force force the ball back to Kyle and, and at that time DeMar and then once you can force the flow of the ball you can shut it down and that's that was the nature of, of those teams as good as they were that in a playoff series, in a four of seven, when you can really key on things or or sort of direct them a certain way that would give you four wins out of seven games, uh, the, the Raptors, I hate to say it, but they were easy to play against in a playoff series. And, you know, you could go back to the, uh, well, you run into LeBron three years in a row, that's a problem. And it was, but I really applaud the fact that they had the five-year sample size before they pushed the button on a lot of big deals. This is really astute management. There's no question about that. There's every layer of this team has contributed to the, the NBA championship that we are celebrating now. And it's just been a fun story to watch and, and very uh, enticing and engaging. Uh, sometimes uh, in the past, on, on this particular radio station, we talked about, you know, what kind of a team would attract uh, Toronto fans. And so you define the city. The city has some money. There's no question about that. It has a lot of hardworking people. It has a lot of people that spend an inordinate amount of time getting to their jobs so they can pay for their families. This is a, a you know a, a very tough town that way. In, in other words, you're not going to coast into anything here. So I always thought that the, the, the teams that represent this city should represent that. And when you look at the Raptors' makeup, the diversity of the roster, how these people play, this is the perfect representative of this city. This is a hardworking basketball team. It has top end. It has humility. It is in the moment, and that is everything you need to, to make success of yourself and your family. And I, I just can't applaud the Raptors enough for that. Uh, obviously, uh, it's something to, to sort of march through your other teams and look at and, and see if they are there. And, and, and I think you'll understand that all those elements contribute to a championship, and that was certainly the case last night. Uh, Arad, uh, as we get set for the final thing, I think we could go to uh, some sound from last night. I'm just looking at the, the list here. Let's, let's go to, to Nick Nurse and, and his podium stuff uh, from last night after the Raptors' victory. Here is Nick Nurse. 
There was so much that happened between last year's offseason and where you're sitting at right now at this podium. Can you just talk about what it means to have gone through all that, becoming a first-year head coach, and after all the changes in the offseason, getting Kawhi Leonard, culminating in the city, uh, city and the, the first championship for Toronto? I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a heck of a 12 months, and uh, I don't know, I just try to take things as they come. You know, he didn't, didn't uh, look too far ahead, obviously, when we... We made some additions to the team. Um, you know, we thought we could be good, but we had no idea what the health status was and and uh, all those things. And, and again, you just you just got to go take the guys you got and go play and manage it the best you can. Um, and then and then look at the opponents and and try to figure out a way to beat them. And uh, it was it was, a, it was a great group though. They really um, played together. I thought they really fought hard. They were tough-minded. They they didn't seem like this was wearing on them at all. Two months of playoff basketball, they never seemed tired to me um, mentally. They, they they kept wanting the film sessions. They kept wanting to walk through things. They kept wanting to keep learning and improving. And I think that was a big key because we had to do that in the playoff run because we really hadn't had all that much time together. Uh, Nick, every, every Eastern Conference team that began the season um, uh, aspiring to get to the finals knew there was a good chance that they would run into the Golden State Warriors. Uh, how much does it add to what you guys have accomplished uh, that you beat a team that will be considered one of the, the greatest in league history? Well, I, I mean, uh, you're, first of all, you're right. I think, I think you thought um, get through the East and the chances were you were going to be playing Golden State. I mean, I probably... Um, stayed up late and watched Golden State more than anybody just for the heck of it, right? Um, just, just, just to see what they were doing and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It means a lot for our city and our, and, and the country and, our, and for these players, staff, you know, an incredible group of, of people, my assistant coaches and the support staff. And, um, I don't, I don't know if it would have meant any more or any less, to be honest with you. You get the win and you're just happy you got it and, and, um, celebrate that fact. As you saw the, the attrition in their team, the injuries and the fact that they were still in it right up to Steph's shot at the end. I mean, does, does it, do you, does it add to the respect that, that people in the league would have for a team like that? A hundred percent. That was, that was hard on them, right? I think, I think they had a rough year injury wise. Um, and and they kept you know they kept playing. They got through some playoff rounds, and you know guys in and out, and obviously a a, a lot a lot of things, a lot of a lot of bad breaks in the finals, to be honest. And um, um, you know, uh, like like us, they they kept on playing. You know, we 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 just had to keep on playing, no matter who was out there. And and um, I think they were super intense high-level games and, and both teams desperately trying to win and uh, you know I have a tremendous amount of respect for coach Kerr and his staff and their players for sure congratulations of course I, I know you are your least favorite topic so I'm probably gonna regret asking this question but what do you think your story says as far as a guy who played mid-major a guy who had to go to Britain a guy that had to win a couple titles in the G League before you got that phone call to come talk about offense and the story you were telling earlier yesterday or today or something they all blend in now what do you think your story is going to mean to the coach who doesn't think he's ever going to get the shot well i would hope it inspires some some people that are in those situations to to keep working um you know i always say that the, all those jobs meant the world to me at the time 
right? Winning, winning with Birmingham in '96, or winning with Rio Grande Valley, whatever year that was, and and those that, those games and and jobs meant the world to me, and I loved all those jobs. And I think you can't do your great, uh, you can't do very good work if you don't love what you're doing. Um, and I just, I don't know, and, and I never really got discouraged. I didn't really care at the level I was coaching at. I was just trying to learn and get better. That's it. And he did a really nice job of that, didn't he? One more piece of sound before we sign off. James Duthie in conversation last night with Masai Ujiri. There are hundreds of thousands of people in, in the streets of downtown Toronto. Yeah, that's, that's How do you feel when you see that? It's a, it's a dream, you know, um, because um, we believed, you know, we, we, these players believed, the coaches believed, and what incredible work I think they put into this. and. Um, yeah, it's hard to describe now. Well, you believed. You came here with a vision. I've met a lot of visionaries in my time, people with lofty dreams, but quite often they fall short. And I think when you came here and said, I want to bring a championship here, at first there were a lot of yeah rights because we're a nation of skeptics and they've seen so many failures with the Raptors. What, what made you believe that you could put this team together and bring a championship to Toronto? Um, for me, I looked at um, the city, the team, the organization, the ownership, uh, the people, um, the following. And well, one NBA team that's outside uh, of America, but that doesn't mean anything, you know. When I came, I, it just seemed to me that that seemed to be a negative, and how could we um, make it, uh, turn it into a positive uh, by believing in ourselves and bringing people from all over the world together. Uh, so whether it's Fred Van Fleet from Chicago or um, Alex McKechnie from Scotland or Bobby Webster from Hawaii uh, or uh, Jam Mahalela from Swaziland, uh, Patrick Mutombo, Serge Ibaka, you can go from our staff to players to coaches, um, unity, um, which I think even uh, translates to what kind of city we are in, the diversity in the country. The perfect team for Canada perfect and team. for Toronto. Perfect team for Canada and Toronto, believing in yourself. And then it's our job, it's a responsibility for us to put this together and put a team out there and those guys go out and play we have to give them credit they go out and play and it's incredible it is incredible it's a very positive story there's multi layers to it uh, you know what i think of messiah jury i think of that uh, jurassic park f-bomb to brooklyn in the first run in 2013 and how excited everybody was for what was about to come and it was a painful process to get there but it all uh, boiled over last night in a positive way i guess i could leave you with some advice about embrace the moment it doesn't last forever for a long time i just feel that because of the positive nature of this because of how this was done because of the national celebration because of the goodwill and the celebration and this is a very engaging team and organization that this is not i hate to say just a championship win nobody should ever say just a championship win but this is special i think there's a feeling that way and we look forward to the parade on monday with wall-to-wall coverage here on tsn 1050 first up starts at 6 a.m the parade starts at 10 guys from overdrive Hayes, Noodles, and O-Dog will we'll take you through that, and what a joyous and momentous occasion that is. Uh, for me, this started out with uh, the Leafs ending, and uh, 
the program director here, Jeff McDonald, said, you want to do a Raptors game? And I did one, and it turned into all this. And then when they got into the finals, do you want to do a Raptors show? Can you do that? You'll be double-dipping. And I said, absolutely. I love special event coverage. I love things that start and end and don't drone on. And, and it's been a real special treat for me to be in this chair and, and do this and share it with you and work with people like Arad and all the guests we've had. Really thankful uh, for all of that. And uh, I guess right now we close the book on it. So don't know exactly what happens next. But I will embrace it because I've learned a lot from this and other things that have happened uh, in the world of sports and through my job here. So I guess the best way to sum this up is the summer of Yes Guy starts now.